Uh, I feel real good about the position. You know, Vinny coming back, that's experience. He been there, uh, won the Super Bowl with us, so he, he knows what it takes and what Doug's message is every year. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just you, you feel good about the, the up and coming like Josh Sweat. I mean, I know he's been working his butt off every day. Derek Barnett, who's trying to have his breakout year uh, now that he's coming in uh, to the season feeling good. Uh, man, I'm not worried about the position at all. It's just we got to make sure that we bring that work. Uh, we come ready to play every day because uh, we're trying to we're kind of behind the eight ball right now with all the COVID stuff that's been happening. So uh, right now we just leaning on each other to make sure that we stay on each other to get in shape, uh, the best shape we can be for the first game. Hello, everybody. This is episode 31 of All About the Birds. Johnny Lecca with Jeff Warner and Phil Stifel. That was Brandon Graham talking today. Um, and main first thing you said about Vinny Curry. Vinny Curry is back. He resigned with the Eagles for one year. I think it was $2 million deal. One year, some... $2 million deal uh, with uh, up to uh, $1.3 million guaranteed. So he brings depth, a veteran. You know, I know we've talked about it multiple shows about who could possibly return, uh, who was on the roster last season, and uh, Vinny was one name that did come up. But it just it gives you – I understand that you know, you want some of these young guys in the Josh Sweats and the Jannard Averys and the Joe Osmonds and Sharif Millers to kind of take that step. But with this whole COVID thing, you, that's the tough part. There's no preseason for them to get a lot of work in. Well, I would say there's no preseason. There's no mini camps. And there's there's too much in the unknown. Like I wrote about on a new website, uh, AATBirds.com, uh, there's... This move that the Eagles bringing back Vinnie Curry, one, we knew that they needed some type of upgrade at the pass rushing, uh, pass rush. They needed some type of depth. But, but, but behind Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, what do the Eagles really have at defensive but, end? But the, the the biggest thing was you traded a fourth-round pick for Jannard Avery. Yeah. What does that really say, that you're giving up a fourth-round pick well, for a guy that really can't see the field? And well, that's, not, that's tough. Well, not just that, and Sharif Miller. Sharif yeah. Miller, last year, they drafted in the fourth round. He didn't even dress last year. They, I would say, so, 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 once again, what does that say about Hallie Roseman's drafting ability that, well, one, they trade away a pick, but Sharif Miller, the fact that they draft a the guy in the fourth round, and the dude couldn't even dress. So, I would say this move ultimately sh shows that the Eagles have no faith, and they have no confidence in a lot of these unknown players behind the starters with Derek Barnett and uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon Graham. And the, the pass rush is one thing the Philadelphia Eagles value very highly in their defense. They always like some type of deep rotational pass rush from their front four. Phil? Yeah, and let, let's not... Uh... Let's not just worry about that part of it. Let's talk about Vinnie Curry and that part of, you know, that side of the equation. Vinnie Curry only had five sacks last year. But if you really look at the details of his numbers. It was very productive. He was only out there 39% of the snaps last year. Yeah. His sack percentage per plays out there and the rushes he was getting on the quarterbacks and the pressure he was putting in that small sample size. He was one of the best defensive end and uh, pass rushers in the league in that small percentage of plays he played last year so he is still a very 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 capable pass rusher in this league he's a capable so pass don't take anything away from him no there's a, it's a he's a capable pass rusher when he's not when he's a rotational guy guy coming off yeah. the bench he's not he's exactly. he is shown he's shown in tampa uh, he's shown before uh he left here he can't be a guy that can be 
the starter, a guy that's going to take a bulkier carry. See, he's a, a, a situational pass rusher. He's also a very versatile defensive lineman. He's a guy that can play inside, outside, along that D-line to get pressure. And he's also very good against the run. I was like, I forget how many tackles for loss he's had in his career, but for defensive end, it's pretty impressive over seven, yeah. eight years. But I mean, he had the five sacks. He had 12 more quarterback hits last year. Yeah. Um, you said tackles for losses. He's got 43 tackles for losses on his career. Yeah. Um, you know, he still had five sacks, and I, I brought it up. He played uh, 39% of the snaps last year. That's, you know, that's a very small amount of the snaps. But if he sticks in that 35 to 45%, he is still an extremely capable guy that, yes, we are lacking that depth on that, you know, on the end. But on the flip side of the equation, he's, he, he's better than all those guys. So there, there's no doubt that he's going to give us well, that yeah. added depth there. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I would say what, what I was getting at with my whole lack of depth was... Yeah. I didn't want you to be taking anything away from him. No, no, no. I'm not taking anything from him. I'm talking about the guys that we have and yeah. everyone throwing out the question, why didn't they go out and get uh, Clowney? Why did they go out and get Griffin? Why did they try to make it the trade for uh, in, uh, in Gotway, wherever the hell his name is? Uh, you did pretty good on that one. Yeah, for that one, I somewhat got right, but uh, I was... Well, I was saying, everyone's question is uh, the fact that... One one, Clowney's still reportedly demanding at least like 15, 16 million for a guy that had three sacks last year. Uh, Griffin, he had a decent year last year, uh, eight sacks, but he, once again, he's he's up there in age as well. He's 32, almost 33 years old, and he's probably demanding a heck of a lot more than two, uh, the two, three million that uh, uh, Curry's getting. And then in Dockway, uh, in you have to give up draft picks plus a contract and all that. And then with the whole COVID situation, no minicamps, you want to bring in a guy that already knows your system and was productive in Jim Schwartz's system, which I wrote about on aatbirds.com. But even like Vinny Curry gives you that, you know, gives you that versatility to play inside and outside. And it's not just he's just going to be rushing the passer or just playing the run. He can they can move him all over the place, and mm-hmm. that's something that you know Jim loves to do, especially third down. They can bring him in, put him inside. You can bring um, Malik Jackson, put him outside, inside. You can move. There's so many different moving pieces, which you know boats to that depth that we talk about of getting and having that depth. You just, of course, have to stay healthy. But if they're healthy, they got a lot of depth on that defensive line, whether it's interior or on the outside. Well, I would say they have, especially interior, I would say you have Fletcher Cox and Hargrave. They're going to find a ways to move all these guys around, like you said. I will say my, my main concern, and I would say signing Vinny Curry is a no-brainer. At that price tag, a guy that knows your system, a guy that's still productive, he's still an asset for your defense. My main issue is what is going to happen if Barnett doesn't pan out or gets hurt or Brandon Graham gets hurt. Your, one of your starters gets down. Who is going to be the one that's going to step up in there and perform and get the pressure on the quarterback? Curry, Curry has shown he can, but like we brought up before, he's not a guy that can, uh, uh, he's not a consistent pass rusher when he's the main main starter on the field a, a bulk of the time. His most production is when he's fresh, coming off the uh, coming off the field, rotational t- uh, type of pass rushers. Uh, and then who, who, who else is going to emerge? Josh Sweat has shown, yeah, he can perform, he can be he's here and there. Flashes. Yeah, he's showing flashes, but that's about it. He's not going to be. He's not going to be a every down guy or guy unless he really surprises you. Sharif Miller, we have no idea about. He, like we said, he never played a damn down last season. And then Jannard Avery, who knows? There's a lot of unknowns with this pat with this uh, the Eagles uh, front four as as much or not front four defensive end uh, group as much as we consider that somewhat one of the strengths the front four. There's still a lot of unknown. And the thing is, you have to look at. Um, Jannard Avery, Sharif Miller, Casey Tuhill, Joe Osman, those guys are going to 
possibly be fighting for one spot. Mm-hmm. You know, and the th- the thing is, you gave up all that. You know, you gave up that fourth round pick to get Avery. So, and I understand that sometimes you don't want to look at it that way. As you don't want to keep, you want to keep a guy because you gave up this and let a guy who's shown almost like the Deshaun Hall thing last year. He literally, he literally played himself on having such a great preseason, played himself into a roster spot. And... My, my, I'll say, getting not too far ahead of ourselves, but just bringing it up, I'll say, really, as the Eagles need to do something with the defensive end position in the next couple of years, whether it's free agency or draft, because most of these guys I don't see on the roster, including uh, including Graham. He's who knows if he's going to be here past this year with his uh, cap number. Derek Barnett, he's only signed to the fifth year option, so who knows if he's going to be here after this year? Yeah. So who's going to be your starters possibly next season or the season after that, depending on what they do? Honestly, I don't think it's going to be anyone on this roster. So they're going to have to have some type of complete overhaul. And we know with Howie Roseman's draft uh, record uh, of late, it's not too promising that they're going to find a guy to be the next pass rusher for this defense. Phil? The other, the thing I was going to say was, didn't he also turn down more money to go to he, Cleveland? Wasn't he giving yeah. it a bigger offer elsewhere? I forget which team it was. He was Cleveland. So I think yeah. it really touches on the culture that Doug Peterson has built. Um, I'm not sure if you guys noticed the uh, comments that Darius Slay made uh, earlier today about that. No. about comparing already just in the virtual meetings how he could see a difference compared to Detroit last year um, in the last few years. I mean, I know that kind of is a way of, you know, taking a shot at Patricia in Detroit. <laughs> but I don't care. You can take, take a shot at Patricia. You know, Harry's at the point of want. his career where every contract could be his last contract, and he took less money to yeah. come here because he feels more comfortable here. He likes well, the well, he's a local he kid the too. environment. The, the other thing, when when he went to Tampa, he took the most money and, you know, went to Tampa Bay and it didn't work out. So he wanted to, you know, and he really looked at his options and picked the best best situation. Well, he didn't have too many options. No, like, we, like we said, he, he, he takes say, more money. It's, it's, it's August 10th. He finally signs with the team. And it's down to Cleveland and with uh, Philadelphia. We, I'll say, we all know how much more when money. he resigned too? Yeah, yeah he was, he resigned late as well. Yeah, it was like week yeah. like eight or, so, or something like that. I can't remember. But speaking, the, the one thing that's going to uh, transition into the next thing I want to talk about is in that when they drafted Sharif Miller, there was a player on the board that I thought they could have drafted two players on the board that they could have drafted that would have impacted the position we we're going to talk about. One was D, uh, Dre Greenlaw to San Francisco, and the other was Mac Wilson to Cleveland. And there's two linebackers. Now, Jatavius Brown retired unexpectedly at 26. Uh, they put him on the reserve retired list. So either, I'm not sure. I know he's, he's had injuries, so I'm not sure if that's something or if it's just something that, you know, with everything going on, he just didn't. He also apparently is like a CEO of some up-and-coming company. So he's like, screw this with COVID. Why the heck am I going to play football, b- uh, beat the crap out of my body when I could be a CEO of an up-and-coming company and make more money probably? Yeah, so he had that. Not going to be there. So basically, it leaves you. This is by far, and we've talked about by far the the thinnest position group on the roster. You have T.J. Edwards, who's 23 years old, four career starts. You have Nate Gary, 25 years old, 15 career starts. You have Duke Riley, 25 years old, 16 career starts. Those are the guys who have started. The other guys are Alex Singleton, 26 year old special team guy, Sean Bradley, who's a rookie, Dante Olsen, who's a rookie, and Davion Taylor, who's a rookie. So, 
do they go and look at a veteran possibly? And I don't even know if that really even makes you know any any sense right now with the the players that are out there. Yeah, I'll say I don't, I don't know yeah. the free agents that are out there right now, but obviously it's probably not anyone. I can give you a couple guys. I'll say it's probably not anyone really so, like big names or anything. I can tell you that off the board. They're they're gonna go with the rookies. They're gonna run with as many of those young guys as they can because they're not gonna waste any more which is scary cap space that they have to roll over for next year because they've proven in the past that they don't value the linebacker position. And now is the way the league's turning with more dime coverages and nickel coverages. You don't need six, seven linebackers on your roster. No. You can roll with more cornerbacks and safeties if you need to, more linemen or whatever. You know, they're not going to go out and spend even two, three million dollars on another linebacker. Well, that I'll say, I'll say another reason why I feel the Eagles don't value the linebacking position, which granted it was a little bit before he was here, but I feel Jim Schwartz has a little bit of a say and a little bit of an impact on the way he runs his defense, the way, what he, what he values on his defense. And he, I think he tells Howie and Doug, hey, for my defense, I want guys that can pass rush and get to the quarterback, and I want guys that can uh, play in the secondary against the pass. He's, he's, he, as we brought up before, he's not a type of defensive coordinator that brings a lot of extra attack or extra blitzers, especially from the linebacking position to get to the quarterback or uh, different type of blitz packages. He's a guy that wants to hit home with his front four, and that's how he wants to get pressure and make big plays, uh, which helps the secondary and then helps the linebacking core as well. So, But honestly, out of those names... We're gonna get freaking torched. I know. Last episode, we brought up about the about the defense and how I'll say the weaknesses, strengths, and all that type of stuff. A little bit, a little bit of the camp battles, but I'll say linebacking position. I'll say just got extremely thin, especially if there's any type of injury or any type of COVID situation. Like Gary, he was on the uh, who knows what the COVID list. If he was around someone or got it or whatever, but. I'll say the, the Eagles need to do something at linebacker. They need to trade for someone, especially since the free agent market's not not there. I don't, I don't know who is my, our boy Michael Kendrick still available, or is he suspended in jail? What the hell's up with him? Where's, where's Kiko Alonso the, these days? Yeah, exactly. Well, they need with, to do something. He's with New Orleans, but the players that are out there, I just want to say a couple names. So Mark Barron, who played with Pittsburgh last year, uh, uh. Alec Ogletree, who uh, Zach Ertz just torched every single game he played against them. Uh, Preston Brown, which is a guy that I think I think it was you, wasn't it you, Jeff, that brought him up when we talked about veteran free agents, possibly because yeah. he has a connection with Jim Schwartz. Yeah, uh, Wesley Woodyard, thirty-four uh, year old. Yeah, the one guy I, you know, I would think about just because uh, twenty-five years old, Darren Lee from I uh, played with uh, the Jets. He's a, a quick linebacker, kind of fits a little bit of the mold of what they like. Uh, Try another size linebacker, right? That's what they like. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Which yeah. ain't good in the National exactly. Football League. Especially when these guys are covering the 6'5 tight ends and getting bulldozed by 220-pound running backs. Oh, we're, the, we're in trouble. The, the other guys are yeah. basically former Eagles that you don't want. Espe especially again. since there was a list that came out today. I don't know if you guys saw about uh, the team's rankings uh, among players. Uh, their rosters of like 25 or younger. And apparently the Eagles like one of the bottom of the list. They were ranked 29th yeah. as far as young talent uh, compared to the rest of the National Football League. Doesn't surprise me at all. No, not at all. But that's why they need, you know, they need guys they on the last up. couple of draft pick, draft classes to step up. And if that doesn't happen, then this is and this is the result. Well, that's the problem. 
they need to hit on guys. They need to guy, they need guys to produce, and they need to draft better. I'll say you can't rely on undrafted free agents and late round draft picks to be your savior uh, for your football team. I'll say you're only yeah these guys are in the National Football League, but these these guys still need to be out there and produce. They still need to be able to play the game. You ultimately win and lose games based off your players' performance. And if these guys can't play, they're not starters in this league, and they're thrown into the position. Yeah, they might show flashes here and there as we've seen in preseason or uh, as fill-ins for a guy that got injured, but most of these guys that are on our roster right now are not starters on any other football team in the National Football League. Miles Sanders? Yeah. Well, no, besides him. You you phrased that perfectly. I'm talking about line. I'm talking about like the linebacking position. I'm not talking about Miles Sanders. Well, no, linebacker position is just. But I think what they're going to do is they're going to play a lot of the four-two-five uh, set. So they're going to play with a lot of five defensive backs. But having all those safeties, I think that's kind of going to be. I don't know, necessarily agree with it all the time. I can see it happen with the way that uh, uh, teams go with multiple wide receiver sets. So I could definitely see them doing a four-two-five set on defense but i don't know the linebacker and it's been like that for how long though you know i understand when they had jordan hicks but of course he was injury prone they, other, hicks. they, they, they drafted kendrick's so they, they kendrick's come... and hicks are the last last known really good ones they've drafted in a long time the best the best name that was a major bust was second round draft pick matt mccoy oh boy and didn't he get a big payday in Tampa as well? What the hell was with Tampa? Like, or uh, or was it Cleveland that went? To, uh, I think that it was guy? Tampa. Tampa or Cleveland wanted to, but uh, yeah, the, the, we know, we all know the Eagles don't have a strong history of drafting linebackers. Hell, even signing linebackers. Look at Nate Wayne and that overprice. Oh. And they traded for Kiko, so you know they yeah. don't sign, trade, or draft these guys. The, Besides the guy, Trot. Well, D'Amico <laughs> D'Amico Ryan's was a very good, very good well. Yeah, until he got until hurt. He hurt as a kid. Yeah. yeah. So when was that? How long ago was that? Uh, 2012, yeah. I think. Yeah. 2012. A long time ago. So the last good signing they made was eight years ago? Yeah. Yeah, that says something right there. <laughs> they don't value the linebacker position. We've, they don't. You know, they we, haven't. We, and Doug we know that. Is, is in the Andy Reid mold, and it goes, it's gone back now for a very long time. So... It's, it's just, fr- it's just, it's frustrating though. I was because every year you always, they always say, oh yeah, this guy can play, or we have strong confidence in this guy. Now week one, something happens where he gets blown up. Whoever gets blown up, can't. Tight end goes off like two hundred yards. Running back goes off it. They, they, they need. Uh, I would say Hallie, Hallie, and the front office needs to do something. And I don't know. We can we'll, al- we'll see. We can always have the. Remember when they used to run out the Omar Gaithers and the. Um, Moisey Foku, and you had, uh, uh, who else? Oh, Mark Simino and all these great, wonderful names. But, no, it's just the linebacker position has always been like that. And, you know, they get one or, the, one or two guys that possibly, you know, produce or they can get a hit like they have in recent years, but it's been very far and few between. So it's not something that happens all the time. And, of course... They don't value that position, and I don't think they ever will. They just get guys that can 
I don't even. I, I really don't even know how to explain it, just because it's so frustrating when you see all these other teams. Well, it was it was very frustrating the year when uh, they had Jim Washburn here and had the wide nine defense. That was the defense you needed to have linebackers for those wide open gaps. You needed a linebacker that was able to uh, attack the hole and take down the running back or clog those lanes. I was that, that was that was another thing. I would say this team we keeps on saying don't value the running backs. That was the one time they need the value running backs, and you saw them getting exposed. And then they had Brandon. And Graham out as a as a outside linebacking pass rusher instead, oh, and he didn't pan out well. And that he hated playing that. He he said when they went back to the four three was the best decision they ever made. But you know that year, you know they had some good linebackers: Brian Roll, Jamar Chaney, Akeem Jordan. Dude, Brian Roll, he was a hard hitter, but he was for <laughs> five nine. Jeez, the only thing, the only good thing that came out of that season was Jason Babin going off like twenty sacks or whatever that was. Or is it Bar No, it was Babin. 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 Yeah. I can't remember if it was him or Barwin. No, Babin had, eight, I think, 18 sacks or 18 and a half sacks. Yeah. He was there, was... there was talk of him possibly breaking uh, uh, Strahan's record that year for how uh, for how good he was playing. But that was only bright side. Then they went, what, 6 and 10 or 8 and 8 that year? 8 and 8. That yeah. was the... That was the year before Andy got canned. Yeah, that was a dream team year. Yeah, Howard, they had the dream team staff as well. They had Howard Mudd. They had Jim Washburn. They had pretty much every A-star coach that could you could possibly have on a football team. And they still didn't freaking win, uh, even make the playoffs. Yeah. I'm going to drop another name for linebacker. I forgot about it. I was just Google searching it there, trying to find it. I remember talking about it on a past episode and uh, other people saying it. You're gonna have to wait for these some of these guys that get cut throughout the uh, you know off or the uh, you know training camp and all. But Hassan Reddick has been rumored to be cut multiple times from the Cardinals. What do you guys think of him? Yeah, he's still only 25. Coming back to Philly. Yeah, I saw a couple uh, people yeah. po post his name. Like he was a Temple product. Yeah, Temple. So uh, yeah, local yeah, kid. He he's 25. What's the reason um, for him getting released? Cardinals are trying to cut ties with him potentially. So. He's someone you might be able to get on the waiver wire. What's the reasoning, though? So I'll say he just hasn't fit their system. Okay, I'll say I didn't know if like he was yeah, hurt just, or. Fit. Oh. Is he a guy? Do you guys I feel mean, he's I a guy that fits he's our system? Really or not? I can bring up his small linebacker, quick, six one, two thirty five. Um, he's seven and a half sacks in three years. So he's he's. So is he more of a pass? Is he more like a three four pass rushing linebacker? The, the, or the, the problem is he's a tweener. He's kind of like he's not. A pass rusher because he's too small, but he's not announced as he has speed. Line. So he's got speed. He can be like a little bit of a joker position, but yeah. like but like we said, I would say if if they're gonna use him as linebacker, he's not gonna be a guy that's gonna He, he also only started five games last year. He's played in all he hasn't missed a game yet in his three year career. Hey, give him a shot. He has, he's only started twenty of the forty eight games he's been dressed for. Hell, if the Eagles, so if the Eagles are worried about aren't using him enough, so that's probably part of the issue there. That if the Eagles are worried about uh, waiver wire, I'll say, hey, maybe throw the Cardinals a late round pick, conditional type of pick or something. But the, if he doesn't make the roster, then you don't have to worry about get him. Get him now. Get him in for camp now, so he has some time to learn the system. But the yeah. problem, the problem with Reddick in Arizona is. Arizona runs a three four defense, yeah. so they're playing him at inside linebacker yeah. just because. I guess he's you know he's too small to play the outside, but he I know he, he rotates and plays a little outside, a little inside, all over the place. I just don't think he's that's the fit for him. So possibly maybe a, sometimes a change of scenery helps a player. Yeah. So you know if hey, local kid, I would say if he's yeah. from the area, move back home. Hey, give him a shot. I would say what 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 do we have to lose? I don't, think, I don't than, think it's a bad idea. I would say what else is really out there, and he might be an upgrade over the guys we already have now. So. Absolutely. Exactly. But with that, we're going to take a quick brief pause from a word from our sponsors. 
All right, gonna do some questions. So we had a couple uh, Twitter followers drop us some questions we're gonna answer. Um, I'll go first, I'll, uh, at Brock underscore millennial asked, um, what happened there? Okay. Oh, I'll add that part. He, I need to have the questions up for him because Johnny, of course, wasn't prepared with the questions. So, do you want oh, me to I have, have all the answers, answers, Johnny? I'll ask the questions. Okay, here are the questions. I I'll say, why don't you just say that instead of smacking me? Well, was your I wasn't even looking at the screen. I didn't see it. Can we, can we re see so, the smack? Can we do it so, back in slow motion? What starting left or right tackles in the NFL after 30 years of age have moved to guard? And how did it work out, good or bad or indifferent? So did a little research. Um, two different things I'm going to touch on with it is uh, I got one from um, this uh, one guy on Twitter, uh, uh, Chris Infante, put something out about 38-year-old guards. There's been four that have played a whole season, and there's been two others that have played um, – 14 or more games. But the two that played a whole season that are the most notable are Ray Brown and Bruce Matthews. But <laughs> Drinking some water. I'm sorry. That, that distracts you, apparently? Yeah, you're gulping. Wow. But, um, this question and answer session that we're doing for the first time on this show is really wonderful. Well, guys. It's a freaking dumpster fire but right now. I did, I, I did look and see a tackle that switched to guard, and it was... He played 10-plus years in the NFL, and at age 36, he switched to guard and played for St. Louis and started 21 games in 06 and 07. So 07, he only played, I think, six games, and then he played 15 games in 06, and it was Todd Stusey, who was – he played for a first-round pick for the Vikings, and he played – if you know football, you know who it is. And he played for the Carolina Panthers as well. And he started on the Panthers' uh, Super Bowl team in 03 at uh, right tackle. But – that's the one guy I could find that kind of switched. I did find also uh, Leonard Davis, who played for Arizona and played uh, for the Cowboys. He switched, but he switched at age 29, age 30, so it wasn't really after 30. The only one I really found that um, was basically he played a lot of his career at tackle to switch to guard the end of his career was Todd Stucey, which kind of fits the same thing as kind of what Jason Peters is trying to do. And, you know, he started... Uh, 15 games in 06, and then in 07, he started only six games. But I'll say just because you start doesn't mean you're good. I'll say that, 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 I'll say that you didn't really answer the second part of the question is how, how did it work out? Was it good, bad, or indifferent? I'll say, yeah, the guys started, but unless you're watching their game tape or the team's having success, how were those, guys, how were those teams' records? Were they winning football teams? I was saying, well, I'm just trying to figure that out. Honestly, that's why this this happens so rarely yeah. at this point in someone's career. That's why we've had Jeremy Bridges on, and he has one opinion on it. If you listen to Trench Talk with Trey Thomas, he's got a completely different opinion on it. Everyone is saying a completely different thing because it doesn't happen often that a Hall of Fame-level guy moves from you know left tackle to right, right guard. guard. It's yeah. just a rare feat in football. Well, that and just... 
I'll say a guy at his age, and I'll say it, it all depends on the guy. Like I'll say, like Jeremy Bridges brought up before, I'll say it, he's got to adjust a little bit. He's got to adjust his footing and the way he and his blocking uh, schemes a little bit. It's it's a little bit different than playing left tackle. So it, JP seems like a smart guy. He's gonna be most likely a Hall of Famer uh, when his career's all said and done. Uh, so he he seems like a guy that can pick things up very quickly. Probably maybe a little bit better than some of the guys that Johnny uh, suggested, but. Until we see snap one uh, in, in, against Washington week one, we won't know until then because we're not going to see any preseason snaps. There's not much you really see in practice. It's a, wait, it's a wait and see approach. You won't know. There's been guys who've, who've moved from tackle to guard now a little earlier in their career to like a guy like Larry Allen, a guy like Nate Newton, and guys who have made the switch. You know, like, they, like people have said, Peters is athletic enough to do it, but again, there is no track record. Having basically one guy kind of do it, it's not a long track record. So basically, it's let's see what happens. It's kind of how it's kind of how it's gonna be, and you know if it doesn't work out, then it's another thing about Howie. Another well, <laughs> you see, you can't somewhat blame this one on Howie. You didn't really expect Brandon Brooks well, to freaking tear his Achilles during working right. working out. So I, I understand you need some type of death, but they did draft a couple guys, but they didn't expect them to be thrown into the fire right off the bat. You still expected some type of development, and I think that's the reason why they brought a JP uh, JP in is so those guys can still get their feet wet, especially with no preseason and the lack of training camp and mini camps and all if, that. If it doesn't work. What, what's going to fall on Howie is what he said before the offseason about, you know, sticking with the older guys and not just letting him go and kind of going with his heart. And if it doesn't work, it's going it's to come back on him. Well, of when, course, because he's the GM, it, but I would say if he's really, truly the blame for it, I would say he's not fully the blame for if JP doesn't pan out right guard because ultimately everyone wants to see Andre. They have to, they have to see what Andre Dillard can, how, if he can play. That's the main thing what, that, what's but, coming out of this. But that also falls on Howie. If he can't play, there's another wasted draft pick. Yeah, that so, part is with, well, with let, let, let's, let's roll that into the next question then because, you know, Jason at Flubbed Tundra 03 asked, if the team underperforms, do you see or foresee coaching changes, not just position coaching, but higher ups in the front office being being made? I don't see it. Not was, this year either. Not, I don't I see it this year either. Not, I think not this year with COVID. Off season, well, I think, I think everybody's just, safe. I think even with COVID, Peter, Peterson's safe for at least a couple more years. The fact that he brought you a Super Bowl. Peterson is safe for three, yeah. four more years. But yeah. I think Howie, in a normal offseason – he would be under the gun at the end of this year. Possibly I even I, Schwartz too. I, I understand he's you know done a little bit. He's done well with what he's had, basically the injuries. But that's a that's a guy who could the, the the thing is Jeffrey Lurie, as we have shown, especially under Andy with Andy Reid being as long as he was, he's he's a very loyal guy. So the, I would say, and I would say, even with Banner for all those years, everyone criticized Banner, saying that Banner was uh, never, uh, never spent enough money in the off season. He never, they never made the big splash, and this and that. And he's still stuck with him all those years. And I, I would say, and the fact that Howie is like we have have brought up before, he's very good at crunching numbers. He's good at that part. He's not a guy that can that can evaluate talent. We we all know that they need to leave that up to their scouts. But I I, I feel that. That Lurie needs to step in a little bit and like take away, take the reins of the operation, and say, "Hey, look, 
uh, Howie, you can still do this, this, and this, but ultimately it's Doug's decision or Scout's decision or whatever and not give him as much power as we think he possibly has. But I honestly, if the Eagles don't make some type of deep playoff run, I still don't think there's going to be much changes from the coaching staff as well as the front office. That's my take. I, I'll still say that Howie, in a normal offseason, may have been on the hot seat. But because of the salary cap issue, they'll give him one more year because they're not going to bring in a new GM that's going to have to figure out all these issues that, yeah. you know, how he's brought up. So they're going to let him get out of this this year. But I think, in you know, after next season, if we're still there, I think Howie's potentially going to be gone after after next season Yeah, if the struggles continue. Johnny, anything to add? No, I, I agree with what Phil's just said. Absolutely. absolutely. And the seat's getting hot. It's, it's getting hot for Howie. It's, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's getting hot, but I, I just don't. Unless Howie leaves on his own, or it's a major dumpster fire where they lose all this talent, and they're still not competing. The fact that the Eagles are still somewhat of a competitive football team, and they made the playoffs the last three seasons after winning the Super Bowl or including the Super Bowl. The, the fact that fact that they've done that, I would say Jeffrey, I think, in his eyes are like, hey, this team's still competitive. Howie's still doing his job. Yeah, we haven't hit on some draft picks, but what? plenty of teams don't hit on draft picks. Yeah. Jeff, Jeffrey Lurie's always a guy that's always loyal to his to his people. And unless something major happens or what, like they completely tank and they're 3-13, and Howie's here at least a couple more years, in my opinion. Or 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 other management or other players start speaking up and say they want Howie out. That's that's there has to be some type of uh, alliance against Howie to get him out of town. I think that's the only way. Yeah. But I'll say our next question is is from G Theodosis uh, asking if one was to look like a bus and won the win rookie of the year for 2020, who would you prefer for each between uh, Kayvon Wallace and Jalen Rager? This is a good question. This is pretty tough. This is really. I don't think it's a tough question. I think it's an obvious answer, in my opinion. I know which way you're going to go. I think the the way you have to go is Rager. Yeah, I'll say that. What Rager is what? Rager is the rookie of the year. The fact the the other way. Oh, you're going the other way. I think Kayvon Wallace. I think our secondary is so weak, and we argued about Jalen Mills and Will Parks Mm -hmm. all last week. If Kayvon Wallace can come out and win that starting job by week two, three, and make our defense better. I th- we, we survived on offense with Greg Ward and Boston Scott coming off the practice squad last year. You know, Carson Wentz has that talent to elevate guys on offense and whoever he has. He's still got two all-pro tight ends, you know, arguably. You know, the defense is our weakest link, in my opinion, in the secondary. So, Kayvon Wallace coming out and doing a great job and winning that rookie of the year on defense – I think that's a bigger deal to me. But if, and we've already proven we can't develop wide receivers. So if Rager's a bust, I won't even be surprised. But I'll say that I think – and I, I like your points. I agree with you. If Wallace can pan out, I'll be happy, and it would be awesome for our defense. He could be the next – possibly the next Hall of Fame, Brian Dawkins, whatever, uh, for our secondary for the next 10, 15 years if he pans out. But the fact – I just don't feel there's a lot of pressure on Wallace since he was a later-round pick – and there's a lot more pressure on Rager and on the Eagles front office and on Howie. We keep on bringing up Howie's a hard has his draft record has been horrendous. And the fact that everyone is was criticizing this pick, including us on the on this show uh, with him and uh, Jalen Hurts uh, with the first two picks, the fact that they left uh, all the other wide receivers on the board, they didn't trade up to get uh, what was it Rugs? CD Lamb. CD Lamb. Yeah, they didn't trade up to go get CD Lamb. And, 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 who 
right there. Yeah, with Jefferson there, there was Mims there. So the the fact that I'll say a lot of people had Rager on their later in the draft board, ex, uh, especially among the available wide receivers that the Eagles possibly could have got, I feel that would be a huge slap in the face to everyone that doubted Howie and doubt, doubted the Eagles front office uh, for taking Rager over some of these other guys. And I'll say, and the thing is, I'll say we're talking about what what our wide receivers are going to be in the next couple years. Alshon, we all know if he's going to be here after this year. We all know if Deshaun's going to be here after this year, uh, depending on their salaries and with their aging and injuries. Who else are we going to have at wide receiver? We need that f- wide receiver of the future. We need that playmaker for our offense. And if Rager, for some reason, becomes rookie of the year, he, I say he it takes off that e- it eases things a little bit. as It takes a weight off your shoulders like, hey, this guy can play. We're set up with Carson and Rager for the next four 10, 15 years, whatever, and we possibly could have the next Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne connection. But with Rager is... Okay, real quick, I just want to touch on something. I'll let you go, Johnny. Um, if Rager wins that rookie of the year, like you say, you know what that means? That means Deshaun Jackson got hurt again. Because at this moment, he's not the starter. So for Rager to get that spot, to start to prove himself... Deshaun Jackson gets hurt. Or everyone else sucks. I'll say, because Rager's still going to get a lot of playing time, probably at least in the slot or whatever. They'll move people around, especially when in the NFL when there's a lot of three, four wide receiver sets. But I, I agree. I'll say, if Rager's getting a lot of playing time, that means either Jeffrey or, Ray, or uh, Jackson are probably hurt or whatever. So I, I get that, but I'd rather have the future rather than the right now, I'll say, if he, if he pans out. But this is talking about the Eagles draft pick. So rookie of the year, if he winds up, you know, of course, Deshaun stays healthy, but he still shows you improvement and is really, really good. He could be that next Deshaun Jackson in terms of spreading the field and being that weapon for Carson. And brings a lot of speed. Exactly, and it opens up the offense for everybody else. I understand the whole Kayvon Wallace and, and having a safety that becomes you know all world and really, really good, almost like a Malcolm Jenkins type with everything. But I feel Rager. At that position and that skill position is just so much more. They need that so much more than they need Kayvon Wallace. Yeah, uh, not, not, and not, then, not saying I don't want both to succeed. Absolutely, both we all want, absolutely want now, to pick. When, when, it, when it comes to rookie of the year voting, I'll say it's a lot easier probably for Wallace to be a rookie of the year. Uh, 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 recipient than Rager. Hardly wide receivers, unless they have like break rookie records or even uh, franchise records or league records, they most likely do not win rookie of the year, especially competing against some of the quarterbacks that are going to be in this year's draft class. But I would say, I just ho- I hope Rager at least pans out. And I'll say, we bring up that uh, that list that we brought up earlier about the Eagles being the bottom half of the uh, under 25 team. If Rager pans out, you have Carson Wentz. Well, he's not under 25 anymore, but I uh, say so you have Carson, you have Rager, you have Sanders. You have the you have the probably one of the best offenses for the next however many years if they all can stay healthy and can all work together. And then you have to just worry about solidifying the parts on your defense and getting younger and, and working towards the future because then you already have your quarterback, you have your star running back, and you have your franchise wide receiver. And that's a huge shot in the face to freaking Jerry Jones for thinking that he was outsmarting us by taking C.D. Lamb before us. So screw you, Jerry. Grieger's going to tear it up. And the last question is from at Dre Ross uh, asking, in the NFC East, who do you guys see being the biggest threat towards the Eagles? Now, 
for me, it's it, I think for all of us, it's an easy. It's yeah. the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, we sort of brought this up earlier in the show when we were, or earlier in the uh, previous shows, uh, when we br- broke down the NFC East, uh, the division as a whole, and we all have to agree. I would say it, it, it's the Dallas Cowboys. What? I, was, I, th- I, th- I thought you thought the Giants were going to be a big hit this year. Are you already backtracking oh, he's, on that? He's no, no, right no. I n- I never said they were going to win the division. I said so I said don't count them out. Go look. Go read the tape. I said, don't count them out with Saquon. With Sa- with Saquon, Daniel Jones. They solidify the offensive line in the draft. They could be, and I'll say, they're, they're, our schedules aren't that hard this year as the NFC East as a whole. So I said they could possibly be an eight-game football team. I said if the Eagles for some reason tanked and like have all these injuries, don't and nothing happens, it'd probably be a two-team race between uh, the Giants and the Cowboys if the Eagles. Go up in flames. I already counted. I already counted out the, the uh, Washington football team uh, or whatever the hell we want have to call them now. Uh, but I, I, I didn't ever say they were going to win the division. I just said there. Everyone was counting them out, and they weren't going to be. I felt that the Giants were going to be a little more competitive than people were giving them credit for. That's what I said. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, okay. I read the tape. Yeah. You said go back and read the tape. I can read the transcript. You know what I meant. Listen to the tape. No, no, I'm just telling you what Best you said. Let's be sure. Read the tape. You should see Jeff. He was flailing his arms, like really oh, trying to get yeah, we, we, we need to we we get these ca- – yeah, we need to get the cameras up. We need to get the freaking Facebook Live so people can see our reactions. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, the, it's the Cowboys with having everything they've – and I know uh, Jeff Price thinks the same way, and you probably do too, Phil, is – they probably have the most talent of all the yeah. teams in the division. That's but my, the thing is, yeah, they're as every season, the Cowboys are actually the team to beat on paper. It's just they never seem to be the team to beat once they actually start playing games. Yeah, and they still didn't pay the quarterback. No, they <laughs> be on the franchise this year. I would be proud with him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're gonna. You know, I don't. I don't. Yeah, we're not gonna start talking about that. No, we don't want to talk about that because it gets <laughs> into something all the way. Everything. Um, but the one thing I want to say is we want to thank uh, everyone that follows us uh, at AAT Birds. Um, as Jeff mentioned earlier, the All About the Birds website, aatbirds.com, is up and live. Uh, so there'll be some content being put on the site. And, you know, we just appreciate everyone who's going to be, uh, we have some people lined up that are going to be putting some content out. Some talented writers uh, for our website. So we, we appreciate them. Uh, already some great ideas, bu- building bigger and better for our brand. Uh, and uh, just help, help us keep on plugging away. Uh, if you want, if you're interested in writing, Jeff, uh, you can. Jeff, a- Jeff keeps spending money. So we need to start, keep, we got to keep yeah. getting bigger and better. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're spending money, but. Oh, you mean on the website? Okay, I, I okay. I, in general, yeah, I'm spending over money. His head, over his yeah. head. Yeah, that was over my all head. All you do is spend money. Yeah, that's all I do is spend money, especially those new AEW figures that just came out. Yes, I, if anyone that doesn't know me, yes, I'm a diehard Eagles fan, but I'm an avid wrestling fan, and I collect I collect toys. I'm a collectible guy, so I, uh, help help me with uh, some spending money. You should see coming to the podcast room. It's you come down the hallowed halls of bins. Yes, my bins of collectibles. I'd actually pretty enjoy pretty much most of the stuff that he's got. I'm just not, I'm just you're cheap. cheap. To buy it all. My wife wishes I was you. Every time, like there's my one friend Doug. Uh, he he he's a huge wrestling fan, but he is cheap as nails. He he he. I'm not cheap when it comes to going to shows. I'll buy great tickets to shows and I'll sit, you know, down on the floor. But I won't spend money on the other stuff. The only thing I don't get is your Power Ranger collection. Oh, dude, I'm a '90s top. kid. 
That, 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 was, that was my first love as a five-year-old, watching Megazords and robots and monsters and, and kids. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Yes, I'm a Power Rangers fan too, so anyone that did not know that, there you go. There's another little tidbit about Eagle Jeff. Uh, but yeah, I'll say we have the a AAT Birds website up and running. If you would like to write for us, we're always open to adding more writers. Uh, you can contact us at aatbpodcast uh, dot, uh, uh, at gmail.com. Uh, so e email us there. Hit us one, one of us up on Twitter uh, at Jeff Warner NFL, and then I forget your guys' name. Beard of Knowledge and whatever, at, Johnny whatever. At Johnny U nine three two. I can never remember the numbers. Good job. <laughs> Way to wrap the show up. And who's got the website for the show, the apparel? Well, I'll say shirt.com well, slash all about the birds. Or it's on atbirds.com as well. So if you it want to go to the website there. Yeah, go to the website. There's a there's a shop t uh, tab right there. It brings up everything that's in our shop as well. Listen to the podcast on the website. Check out the content. So uh, also, We're also up on lastoutnetwork.com on their streaming service. Uh, they're syndicating our show on Wednesday and Friday mornings, I believe it is. Yep, 10 yep. to 11. 10 to 11. 10 to 11, Wednesday and uh, Friday morning. So definitely there's Damn, another opportunity or option to look, listen. We need to come out with a three-hour show then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fact that we're what? on for three hours on that on that program. 10 to 11. Oh, sorry. I thought you said 10 to 1. Over my head again. <laughs> oh, late, my late, late at oh, night. Late at night. Time to wrap minutes. it up. But with that, and we end every show, the only thing you say is... Go birds! Go birds! Go birds! Do what you gotta do. Do it. You feel what's about to happen on this field, man? They gonna get it to us. We got to take it. They gonna black out. We gonna get one black out. Stand together and keep Get out there.